Well, welcome to the very strange episode of Consider This with Western Pest. <clears throat> and no, my guests today are not strange, although I may, may or may not apply to myself. Uh, but what they're going to talk to you today uh, about today is definitely falls in the category of strange um, or unusual. Uh, in the studio with me today are two of Western's board certified entomologists, Jennifer Brumfield and Dr. Nick Ellis. I'm excited to have them here today to help set the record straight on two insects that are getting a ton of attention in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, a lot of media, um, the spotted lanternfly. So for some of you folks listening, you're going to probably have heard that. Uh, it's in the media. It was just in the media yesterday. Um, and the kissing bug, uh, which uh, grabbed some media in, in Delaware and PA and New Jersey. Uh, no doubt we're going to learn a lot today about these two insects, specifically the spotted lanternfly. Uh, I've told you who they are, but let me have them share a little bit of information about themselves, uh, their background, and some experience. So, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank so you. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Jennifer Brumfield, and I'm an entomologist with Western, have been here for almost 20 years. My role basically is to support the branches in the field with problem solving. Um, I do a lot of training, um, go out to accounts. Yep, so I've been here 20 years. Nick. I'm Nick. I've been here for three months. <laughs> My background is in agriculture. So I came to this industry from outside, but I've done a lot of work with integrated pest management in tree fruit and vegetable crops. So I'm finding ways to transfer that yeah. to the pest control industry. Yeah. And I've done that quite a long time. Well, this is new. It's, mm. it's exciting and I like it. And I, I do a lot of the same things that Jennifer does, mm. but I support the branches in central and northern New Jersey and in New York City. And I can tell you I've only been in New York once, but it's never dull. <laughs> the city that never There's sleeps. There's always action in New yeah. York City when it comes to pest control. So a lot of pests in New York City. I'm looking forward to doing more of that. So <laughs> thank you for having me. You got it. You got it. Well, let's let's talk about uh, the pest that is is a is a threat to the agricultural industry where you came from. This spotted lanternfly. Um, like I said earlier, you know it's, it seems to be in the media uh, consistently. Uh, I just read a story yesterday from a major news network in New Jersey about the um, what's happening in our state here in New Jersey. So um, why don't we give everybody a high level? You know, what's the bias? What are the habits of the spotted lanternfly? Nick, you want to kick that off? It's related to the – it's not a stink bug or in that group of insects, but it's in that – there's a, a general group called an order, and that includes stink bugs, the lanternflies, aphids, plant hoppers, cicadas, and it's, it's really more closely <clears> – <throat> pardon me – more closely related to the cicadas. So it has the same kind of biology. It's a plant-feeding insect that does not bite or sting people. But the problem with this insect is that it's very destructive to some of the horticultural crops that are, that are worth a lot of money in Pennsylvania and in the eastern United States, namely grapes. So that's why it's gotten the attention of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture and some other state agencies in the mid-Atlantic region. And that's why the aggressive monitoring and quarantine program is in place for this insect. And it originated, uh, we think, 
in Berks County, Pennsylvania, which is in Jennifer's territory. Well, so it, it's an invasive plant hopper well, species. Right, right. When I say originally, that's where we found it. So um, it was introduced into Berks County in about 2014. Um, right. It's native to Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So it made its way over here. Um, and so they're trying to quarantine it. And you can log on to the PA Department of Agriculture and find out if your county is in the quarantine. But I think it's 16 counties in Pennsylvania and then a couple in New Jersey and Delaware. Um, so a little bit about the pest biology um, they go through several, they go through about four stages as nymphs. So right now the eggs have just hatched about April and June. You're going to see the first stage nymph. They're about the size of a pencil eraser. And right now they're black with white polka dots and they're pretty different. So if you're out there looking at your trees, your, your plants, and you see these little black insects crawling around, it's most likely them. Um, if you live in a quarantined area, you can call, um, I have the number here, 188-422-3359 and report it. Um, even if you don't live in a quarantine area, you should probably report it. So then the PA uh, people can come out and take a look and maybe expand the quarantine counties. Um, but anyway, go, they, they'll become adults um, in July roughly late July, early August, and that's when we're really going to see them. The adults are, um, they're almost moth-like. They have gray wings with polka dots, and then when they spread them, they have a really um, bright red under underwing, set yeah. of underwings. And um, they're going to swarm trees by the thousands. If you have them, you, there's not going to be any mistake that you have them. Um, and they have piercing like mouth parts that they feed on the trees. They just tap into it like a straw and they suck the sap out through all their nymphal stages. Um, and that's very damaging when you have such big numbers, very damaging to trees. And, um, and then they secrete this honeydew fecal material that promotes the growth of molds to trees. That's also harmful. So like Nick implied, I think, um, the the grapes, apples, walnuts, a lot of crops can be damaged. Yeah, and if you think of the our area, right, uh, with the amount of apple crop that New Jersey has and wineries, just think of your local wineries yes. that are out there, and that that this is a, a, a pretty serious threat to those that agriculture. So, um, you know, like Jen mentioned, to to call these numbers, and we'll we'll state it again at the end. Yeah. Um, report these things if you see them. Um, that you know they're. They're making big pushes to make sure they find exactly where these things are. So it's an eighteen billion dollar economy at risk to PA. And one of the one of the discoveries that there were researchers looking at the biology of this insect and its impact on economically important crops in Pennsylvania. One of the alarming discoveries that these researchers made last year. Okay, first of all, in two thousand seventeen, it was quarantined in five counties in Pennsylvania. That's up to 14 this year. Yeah. This is a pest that's very cosmopolitan that can easily be transported, which makes it – that's what makes it the biggest threat mm. because it's so easily moved around. Yeah. Well, getting back to the researchers and the crops, last year, another level of complexity was added to this insect's implications because scientists were finding that great the vineyards were not setting fruit and their vigor was reduced from the previous year's 
pressure from these insects, which is, that's a huge deal. Yeah. If they're not setting fruit consistently year after year, that is, is, uh, that's, that's devastating to an industry that relies on having consistent fruit crops of a certain density per acre or certain quality. And that's all governed by the number of fruit that are on these plants. Yeah. So these insects are really having a huge impact beyond what we're seeing out in the open, so to speak. Yeah. So now there's research being done at Penn State to understand more about their flight behavior and their movement. Because we want to we want to nail down as much as we can about their biology. Sorry, Jen. Yeah, sure. No, it's great. So um, the the way they're moving around, they in the fall they're going to lay their eggs, and they lay their eggs obviously on trees, but they'll also lay them on cars and patio furniture mm-hmm. and railroad cars. Think trains. Yep. So mm. in the fall, you have a train in Philly or yeah. somewhere in Pennsylvania, and the egg masses get laid, and then that train's going to California or Texas, and so they're transporting. You can. Look at the migratory patterns of stink bug, for example, sure. which was introduced, you know, early two thousands, and they follow I ninety five, they yeah. follow I eighty one. So yep. we're yep. doing our part, and we're doing our part with this insect as well. So if you live in a quarantined county, our responsibility is to before we get in our car and we go on vacation to New York or the beach or wherever we're going, we need to um, inspect our stuff, inspect our cars, look for the nymphs, look for egg masses. Um, which are hatching now, so it's a little late. Yeah. But I would definitely um, encourage everyone to get on the internet and um, research how to identify egg masses. And all you have to do is scrape them down, um, and that will help greatly reduce the motility of this. I'm just pest. thinking, you know, as you say, how they transport and mm-hmm. cars. And I wonder if they're paying tolls because we're missing a lot of income from I these think, stink bugs. Well, yeah. I mean, these uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> they're a bunch of freeloaders. Well. <laughs> they're not paying any tolls on the turnpike. Um, but no, that's that's a pretty significant way of, of, of transport. Most people don't think of those things. Well, um, and, the, and one of the one of the main issues that we have with the transportation, especially in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, is that and in Delaware, there are quarantine counties in all three of those states. Not yet in New York. Okay. But in Pennsylvania, the Susquehanna River is the main western boundary of our quarantine zone. And across the river, we have at least three counties, maybe more, where this insect has been found. Mm-hmm. But they're not under quarantine. And I can think of at least four bridges across from quarantine zone areas on the east side of the Susquehanna into the western half of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So what Jennifer's talking about with, with vigilance – monitoring for this pest, checking anything that might have these egg masses or nymphs or adults on it is crucial. Yeah. And it's it's also critical, as she said, to report what you find. Because if I'm not mistaken, Jennifer, we don't really have an answer for this in our industry. Well, um, we do have some suggestions for how people can protect their properties. Um, but you're right. If you have infested trees, you are going to have to um, include a horticulturist to come in yeah. and treat that. But um, there are some things. Definitely, their tra- their number one tree favorite tree is Tree of Heaven. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't plant those trees. And if you um, have them and you want to get rid of them, that might be a yeah. good idea. Yeah. Um, they do. What, what exactly? Let me let me back up on that mm-hmm. because I'm not familiar with that tree. What what is that tree? Is that a, is that a native tree to the, to the area? Is that something? It's I, from Asia as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and that, I do a lot. Is that a popular tree? Uh, you know, I'm just. It was for, originally. I think it was brought here as an ornamental. Okay. It's also known as a lanthus. Okay. Some people might know it as a lanthus. 
but it became invasive. It became a, a nuisance and, tree. Yeah. Okay. And incidentally, it was also one of the primary hosts for the brown marmorated stink bug mm-hmm. when, when that blew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So these two insects share a common host that is a, a tree that doesn't necessarily have to be ornamental. It could it could be propagating on its own right. in areas that are not being managed, yep. which which makes even more of a threat for this particular tree. Interesting. Okay. So um so these insects when they're adults, they're all gonna um flock to trees and they're they're looking for each other to mate and then it's important to know that the adults will die. They're not gonna overwinter in your house. So if you live in an area with a lot of the adults, they're going to seek harborage in cracks and crevices. They might go into your garage, or if you have open doors or windows, they might fly in, but they're not a structural pest. They're not going to overwinter like the stink bug would, but they kind of act like they want to, the way they crawl around your structure. So Western could come out and apply um, a protective barrier if you just, you know, don't want them on your house, even though they will die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you do see a lot about wrapping your trees with the glue boards or the sticky tape. Yeah. But I want to caution people because birds have been getting caught on these glue traps, um, some protected birds like woodpeckers. So I think if you're going to do that, you can add like bird spikes or something around it to protect your, your local birds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's important. If to do you that. use those glue strips like Jennifer's talking about, if let's say you're out in your backyard and you find a concentration of these black and white nymphs or an egg mass, the band should go above those because they, they crawl up. Mm. They move upward because they're trying to get to twigs, branches, and other areas of the tree where they feed. They don't feed on fruit, they feed on the structural elements of the tree, but they go upward. Right. So if that band is above where you find the insects or the evidence of the insects and they're alive, then they'll intercept. They'll be intercepted by the trap. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And I know we've been on inspections together at least one time where we've seen them in in a warehouse. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but so what she's saying about how they will they'll have incursions. They're not really interested in what's in there. Yeah. But they might get lodged inside shrink wrap or or underneath a pallet, mm-hmm. or they might lay an egg mass on a pallet that's outside waiting to be loaded onto a, a, a truck. Yeah. And that's another way that they present a real serious threat because we're not even treating if, – if Western Pest Services is on a contract to treat a warehouse, we're not spraying pallets that are being loaded onto trucks. Right. So I think what we're trying to say, and I'm not going to speak for you, Jen, but – I think I'm, I'm getting it right, is that vigilance is really what is key for people that want to help with this insect. It's going to, the fight with this insect will be with agriculture. Right. That's where the main battle will be with the growers and the, the, the regulatory agencies and these state, state capitals. But where we can help is if we find them, we see evidence of them, or we think we, we do. To yeah. Make a report. So, Jen, would you can you share those two numbers? Uh, the, the, the first number you shared before was for PA Delaware, I believe, and then you have a New Jersey number to report if you see these. Yep, the PA um, number is 888-422-3359, and New Jersey is 833-223-2840. Um, and I think if you're in Delaware, call PA. Um, mm-hmm. 
because PA definitely wants to know where they're expanding to. Great. So what do you what do you got, what do you both see happening here? Nick, your experience in ag, uh, you know these some of these pests, agricultural pests, have come and gone. Stink bugs is one of them, right? They they moved in and they're now they're you know there was the day where you would see hundreds of these things all over your windows and in your home. You very rarely see them. So do you think what do you think is going to happen with this spotted lanternfly? Where's it where's it going? What do you think the future is? Well, I think when there's a new invasive species, it takes a while for the ecosystem to absorb it. Um, with the stink bug, you did see mass numbers, and it was so alarming. Um, but after a while, you know, one bird eats the stink bugs, and the other birds are watching, and they see that bird didn't die. And right. so now another one's going to try. So they learn to incorporate it as a food source. Mm-hmm. A fungus will start to, you know, the, the egg mass will, you know, there are funguses and things that will start to to prey on the egg masses. So eventually the ecosystem's going to balance out mm-hmm. and the numbers will go down a little bit. Okay. Um, She's exactly right. And, and uh, I happened to, at one time I used to do more work with stink bug management and I was acquainted with one of the primary stink bug, re- brown primary stink bug researchers at USDA. And she told me the climate did a lot to reduce those populations to what we see now. But one of the huge differences between the brown marmorated stink bug and the spotted lanternfly is that the monitoring and the regulatory machinery is already in motion for this insect. It was not for the stink bugs. Mm-hmm. And now we, we have a better system in place to, to observe and record where they're showing up and take action more preventively than, than reactively as we did however many years ago when the stink bugs were, were a real serious issue. Yeah. So that's definitely a big change that will, will have a huge impact on keeping this insect from being as destructive as it could be. Yeah. Well, that's important. Those are important things. And we ask everybody listening um, to call those numbers um, and report these spotted lanternflies. This is an important issue right now. And uh, if we can be vigilant and, um, and and take care of those things, that would that would be helpful for everybody, uh, including our local growers. Right? They're 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 probably not Certainly. comfortable right now because uh, those bridges in Susquehanna, people are driving over those things every day. So that's right. Uh, there's there's some uh, there's some serious issues there. Um, so wrapping up with the spotted lanternfly, there was another insect that uh, caught the media's attention not that long ago, and this was the kissing bug. Now. I literally know enough to be dangerous about talking about this. I'm going to step back from the conversation and 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 toss it to you guys. But what what do you know about this? What what about the stink? Uh, the, sorry, the kissing bug. Well, kissing bugs have been here since I think they were first documented in the 1800s. They've been here. They're a native species. They've been here a long time. It's nothing new. Sometimes um, the media gets hold of something and. And it gets passed around and it can have an alarmist sort of reaction with people. Um, but I think lately the coverage was because there was a little girl in Delaware who was watching TV and a kissing bug came in and, um, and bit her on the face. Um, she, kissing bugs are known to carry Chagas disease. That's the, um, the alarming factor about them, that they can make people sick. Um, Chagas disease is uh, it's a parasite called Trypanosoma cruzi. So it carries a parasite, 
the kissing bug. And um, I'm going to make you say that three times. Quickly. I know I have it written down. <laughs> uh, try I'm not even going to attempt that. Nice, but no, that's, that's, that's good. Um, <laughs> Keep it real. That's it. Which is pretty prevalent in Latin America, um, but not so much in North America. But you know, it warrants if you get kissed by a kissing bug you know yeah. it's if you get bitten by a kissing bug to save it don't squash it because the parasite lives inside of it and if you squash it it can make you um it, you know you're being exposed to it mm -hmm. if it is a carrier mm -hmm. um and you can jump in nick but the, the way they the way they tr the the disease is transmit uh, yeah sorry <laughs> i'll make you say that three times fast <laughs> edit that one out <laughs> it's transmitted in this way that the insects Will feed on sleeping people or dogs at night. Mm -hmm. They they like to stay hidden during the day in areas of the house or the structure that are not being used or secluded. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? Sounds sounds like, good. Like a bed bug, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm getting it. Like, anyway, okay. anyway <laughs> yeah. So they come out and they'll feed at night around the eyes and the mouth, where there are secretions and and mm -hmm. substances from the mucous membranes. And it's not the bite that transmits the disease. It's not like a mosquito or another insect that vectors some sort of human pathogen. Mm -hmm. What happens is the bites, maybe people detect that they're being bitten or they're irritated or they feel a reaction. When these insects, when they, they make what's called feces, it's defecation. And in that feces, the trypanosomes are in, innumerable. So when people scratch or the bugs crawl across a wound, they transmit the pathogens that way. It's from their feces. It's from their fecal material. So that's why when you, if you collect one to send to your Department of Health or to Texas A&M is really the epicenter of research on this insect and its disease, you shouldn't touch them with your bare hands because they can carry those trypanosomes on their bodies. Yeah, so every time they feed, they defecate, and then you rub it in your eye or in your mouth, you know, and you can, and it gets into your system like that. So, um, so as Nick said, they do. There, there's a reservoir host, and that that reservoir is going to be wildlife. It's going to be raccoons, groundhogs, dogs, mm -hmm. cats, mm -hmm. squirrels. So, um, to reduce kissing bugs around your property, um, you need to reduce their host. So, if you have you know you shouldn't have a tolerance for raccoons living under your porch right um your pets should sleep inside they're night flyers so um or i'm sorry they're active at night and they're very attracted to light yeah. so um so you know light reduction is important um the lights on your house changing them to or using sodium vapor bulbs the yellow bulbs instead of the mercury mm -hmm. vapor kind of the blue purple bulbs will reduce lighting um Tight-fitting screen doors uh, and windows can reduce them from getting, you know, into your house. Um, and unlike unlike the spotted lanternfly, Western Pest Services can provide more help for mm -hmm. homeowners and business owners that are concerned about these insects because they share habits that are very similar to other insect and rodent. Well, insect pests that we already manage, like fleas. I mean, when Jennifer says you don't want raccoons and possums and skunks living under your deck, you don't want feral cats, which a group of feral cats is called destruction. Did you know that? At any rate, you don't want them in your backyard because they have fleas. And if you want to manage ticks as a on a tick program, you, you, you're you're doing some things that would also target these 
kissing bugs. So Western does have solutions for that, for those problems, which would also, the, the kissing bugs would also fall into the control regimen there. And with insect light traps, since they are related to assassin bugs, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but assassin bugs do go to insect light traps. Is that right? Yeah, there are a couple of regivides that would be mistaken for a kissing bug. So one um, is a leaf, a leaf hopper, or a leaf-footed bug. I'm sorry, a leaf. We were talking about spider lantern. <laughs> um, the leaf-footed bug, the assassin bug sure, that you mentioned, sure, and right. the wheel bug. But they are not blood feeders. They no. feed on other insects and and plants. Assassin bugs are fascinating. I mean, they you, are. You see them, and you can put a stink bug by them and watch them. They're, they're the good guys, right? They're yeah, the good guys. Yeah. But um, these these um kissing bugs which are also called eastern blood-sucking cone noses well <laughs> <laughs> i may use that okay. going forward they uh <laughs> they like to harbor in old animal nests mm-hmm. okay. uh, again another reason to manage wild mammals and especially rodents and western pest services has a very comprehensive rodent control program so by eliminating rodents around your property or in your property not only does it remove a potential host for the trypanosomes and the assassin, or the, um, yeah, I'm getting them mixed up too, the kissing bugs, it also removes a host for ticks, for fleas. Yeah. And obviously removing the rodents is a, is, is a huge uh, improvement in your uh, structural, uh, it's a huge improvement in your your overall uh, quality of life around your house or business because the rodents themselves are an issue. So you can accomplish a lot by managing the wildlife and the rodents in addition to the insects when a, a good quality company like Western Pest Service is involved. And that's really where we can help with this particular problem. Sure. Sure. These are two uh, unusual and strange insects that we just chatted about for a little bit here. Um, I hope you all out there uh, are are more educated about these two significant insects. Um, And there's some things that we can do. And uh, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, there are a few numbers that we're going to give you again um, to to report the spotted, spotted lantern fly. So Jen, if you could provide those numbers again for everybody out there. 1-888. 422-3359 in Pennsylvania and Delaware. And then New Jersey is 833-223-2840. Great. Well, Nick, Jen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the information. You, I hope everybody out there grabs some information that you can use. Uh, don't forget to check us out at Consider This with Western Pest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Have a good one.